What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Thursday, February 25th. I'm Keila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, where we are thinking of changing up the look of our apartment by adding big holes to the walls or something like that. Yeah, like I'm tired of looking at the same walls with no holes, you know? Maybe the holes would make it better. <laughs> yeah, what is a beautiful bay window but a hole with some thought put into it? I think that that's beautiful. Gideon. <laughs> On today's show, a conversation about school reopenings and the shifting politics and challenges in all of that, then some headlines. But first, the latest. If an EUA is issued, we anticipate allocating three to four million doses of Johnson & Johnson vaccine next week. Wow. Okay, so you heard that right. Vaccine number three might just be right around the corner, care of Johnson & Johnson. That was a clip of the White House COVID team discussing the timeline if this vaccine does get approved in the coming days, and it is looking likely. Yesterday, the FDA put out analyses showing that Johnson & Johnson's vaccine is highly effective, basically the final hurdle before they consider giving it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And that decision could come as soon as this weekend. So Gideon, how good should we feel about it? Super good? The best? Awesome. I feel great. I hope you feel great, too. More great. vaccines is is sick. Uh, we, we love mm-hmm. to see it. Um, so we'll wait to see for sure if it does get authorized. But, you know, it would be the first single dose vaccine available. So that in and of itself is big. But at least in the immediate term, it's not going to completely change the supply picture. But it will as we get into the future. So it is a step forward broadly, getting things back on track in the country, like, for example, getting kids back to school safely. And that's something that we want to check in on today. So here's a quick update on where we are at the moment. Earlier this month, the CDC put out new guidelines for reopening schools. And like previous guidance, they recommended masking, social distancing, testing, and tracing. Notably, though, the CDC is not recommending that all teachers must be vaccinated before returning to in-person learning. And they do say that teachers should be prioritized for vaccinations. There are some teachers and unions that are now pushing for vaccinations as a requirement before going back. So that has become a new flashpoint in all this. For sure. Schools have been a huge issue, one that we really care about and something that President Biden has made a priority. His goal is to safely reopen the majority of schools for in-person learning in his first 100 days. And what that means isn't exactly clear. (laughs) Recently, the White House said that they consider a school open if it offers in-person classes at least one day a week. So who's to say? Uh, Yeah, there's some confusion about all that. And it's actually gotten to a point where it's possible that we already hit that goal before Biden even took office, though Biden said in a recent town hall that the goal is to reopen most K through eight schools. So right now, though, there's a whole range of learning happening with some places all remote, others in person with precautions, others without many precautions and everything in between. And not all of these options are presented equally. And of course, there's also a whole range of opinions from parents and teachers and unions and local leaders about what to do here. Most people want to get schools safely back up and running, but the big question is what does safely actually mean and look like? So to get a sense of all the people and complicated thoughts involved in this deeply important conversation, I spoke with Mariah Balingit, a national education reporter for The Washington Post who's been talking to people all around the country about this. 
I started by asking her what people are making of these new CDC guidelines. So there is still a lot of confusion over how they should apply. Um, I know, too, mm. that there are some people that do not believe that they went far enough because they didn't include any information or guidance, for example, about ventilation, um, which is something that if they had done, could prevent a lot of schools from reopening. And then, of course, you have people that believe that they went too far, um, that some of the guidelines are too strict. Um, so really, nobody likes them entirely. Um, very <laughs> few people are, are completely happy with them. Um, but it does seem that, and they are not terribly different from what the Trump administration recommended, but they are far more detailed. And can you talk more broadly about the actual COVID risk at schools? How good is our data so far on it? And what does it actually say? So the data, as with every other aspect of this pandemic, is incomplete and not great. Um, but what we do know from the data that we have collected is that transmission tends to be pretty low in schools, especially if children and adults are wearing masks um, and are abiding by some social distancing and have good ventilation. Um, there was one study by the CDC that looked at a school in Georgia that did not have those mitigation measures. And what they found was that teachers were often giving it to each other and to other students. So we know that if you don't use mitigation measures, you can have um, greater spread, which is what we would anticipate. But that with mitigation measures, it seems like you can really keep the risk of spread very low. And when people are um, sort of politically pushing, I guess, on the elements of the CDC guidelines that they view to be too cautious, are they kind of leaning on some of that transmission risk information that we have? Or is it more sort of nakedly political in a sense? Well, certainly there is data to support virtually any position on this. And it's partially because, again, mm -hmm. the data is incomplete. Um, so yeah, a lot of people will rely on incomplete data sets, for example, that mostly feature wealthy suburban schools um, that might have better mm -hmm. facilities. What we don't know, though, we don't have a whole lot of information about what happens to schools that don't have mitigation measures. And then people will also point out that we don't have enough testing to really say for certain how prevalent spread is within schools. And then another complicating factor too is that spread is so high in some communities that it's almost impossible to do contact tracing because there's so many places a child or an adult who had been in a school could have contracted the disease. Yeah. And last year, it seemed like the sentiment from a lot of people in education was that the Trump administration was pushing somewhat recklessly to reopen. Is there more support for reopenings now? And why do you think that is? There is definitely more support for reopening now. I think the fact that it's no longer Trump uh, pushing it is plays a role. You know, I talked to uh, school leaders who didn't trust the CDC because of the way that Trump talked about the CDC and its guidelines and talked about, you know, changing them basically for political purposes. But now, yeah, you have democratic cities that are really pushing to reopen. And I think a lot of that has to do with the data that's coming out that shows pretty low levels of community spread within schools. And also people are anxious to get their kids back into classrooms. I think that's another big part of it. Um, certainly they don't want to take reckless risks, but with the data coming out showing that you can do, do this safely, 
Um, I think a lot of parents are really, really eager to get their kids back into schools, even if they love them a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it definitely makes sense after all this time. Um, and part of the reopening conversation as well for families has to do with trust in government, either local or national, and access to resources at home. How has all of this shed light on inequalities in the nation's schools that break down on race and class? Um, most of the conversation around schools has been happening over whether schools should reopen or not. But there are a lot of parents, in some cases in New York City, for example, at one point more than half of Asian families wanted to keep their children at home. Um, large numbers of Black and Latino families wanna keep their kids at home. Um, and a lot of them are advocating for better, better virtual learning. That's not been part of the conversation. It's not been part of the conversation about the aid. Um, and I think that really goes to show just who wields political power when it comes to parents. Um, oftentimes you see this breakdown along racial lines that white parents are um, more eager to send their kids back to school and there's fewer of them who wanna keep their kids at home. So I think that's one place where we've really seen it. Um, obviously with the pandemic as well, Places with really high rates of infection um, have been more reluctant to reopen, and those have been black and brown communities. So that's definitely the case in Chicago um, and in Los Angeles, which was recently, you know, the hot spot for coronavirus. And the big question here: what's your sense, if not this year, are kids back to school by the fall, or what needs to happen? between now and then to ensure that? That's a really good question. And I would be a gazillionaire if I had the answer to it. Um, <laughs> I believe that, you know, for some school districts, it's gonna require vaccinating all teachers, but, you know, that that's just one piece of this. You talked about the um, parental trust problem or the issue around trust and, you know, it, it'll be really interesting what school districts do to try and rebuild that trust with these communities that have been consistently um, under-resourced. Uh, in Philadelphia, for example, um, I just spoke with a mother who doesn't want to send her children back to schools because the building is falling apart. There was mold mm -hmm. even before the pandemic. The bathrooms were dirty. So she didn't feel like, you know, even Prior to the pandemic, she had serious questions and issues with the building. And now they're they're trying to reassure her that her kid is going to be safe during a global pandemic in a building that was already problematic. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, perhaps the, their views will change and parents will be willing to send their kids back into classrooms, even if their kids aren't vaccinated. I think if both teachers and children get vaccinated, I think that will solve the problem or that will get almost every child back into the classroom. Well, this has left me with more questions than answers, which I think uh, is, is how most people feel. But um, Mariah, thank you so much for joining today and talking us through all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And th yeah, that's the way it's supposed to work. So. It's hard. All righty. Well, that was Washington Post reporter Mariah Balingit. We'll put a link to her recent stories in our show notes. And that's the latest for now.
It's Thursday, Wad Squad, and for today's Tim Check, we're talking about some awards news from the UK. Yesterday, singer Rina Sawayama announced she'd convinced the largest music awards show there to give her eligibility. Sawayama has lived in Britain for 26 years but doesn't have citizenship there because her birth country of Japan doesn't allow for dual citizenship. Until now, that's given the Brit Awards and the Mercury Prize reason to exclude her from consideration. The story of leaving out or giving lower priority to works from POC artists is very familiar, and it's reminiscent of the movie Minari being put into the best foreign language film category at this year's Golden Globes and shut out of all other categories despite its American production company and quintessentially American story. So Giddy, any thoughts on this or thoughts on this movie slash this singer? Mm. Well, first of all, I like both a lot. Um, I think that it might have been via the Slack and from Sonia that I learned about Rena. Um, mm. So I want to shout out Sonia's <laughs> continued good music taste and recommendations. Yeah, she got great taste. Mm-hmm. Um, I only yeah, and I I've only heard like the most recent album, but uh, it's sick. And then, Akila, you shared the video of her doing like the uh, Kill Bill type thing with the conversation with that dude at the beginning of the video. Yeah, it's like specifically the scene in Kill Bill where um, you know they're wondering if because uh, Lucy Liu's character is both Chinese and Japanese, she should have any power. <laughs> it feels like you know kind of prescient given the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was sick, too. Anyway, I, I'm belaboring the point. I like both a lot. Um, I, I'm i not familiar with the way that these British awards were working, but it sounds like a stupid thing. And then I think with the Minari situation, I kind of hope that the Oscars, like, self-correct that. Like, I'm just going to let the, yeah. the Globes be dumb because I know that, um, you know, Parasite won Best Picture, I guess, was it last yeah. year? year before that was last year <laughs> yeah isn't anyway. that crazy that that was just last year <laughs> yeah um that's that is that's deeply disturbing but so um and if that had the ability to do it it's like okay you have no reason to not have again if something is considered one of the best works of the year just put it in the best works category it seems yeah. to make sense to me but yeah um so what are, what are your thoughts on both these things. There's a lot to like unpack in both these stories. Totally. I mean, I will start with uh, just the way that people of color and people who are not, I, I mean, I would say it's very um, nationalist, I think, to be so ridiculous and like uh, opposed to having other people's like really quality work excluded just because you're like, well, they're not, they're not from here or um, they haven't been here long enough or whatever else. Like it seems like that double-edged sword of colonialism where it's just like, Hey, we're going to colonize the whole fucking world, (laughs) but then you're never going to be accepted no matter what language you sing in, where you're from, where you live currently. Uh, It's just, it's really bizarre to me. And so between both of these, I'm just like, why, why are we so exclusionary? Like, and the fear I think is that like, if, if the, you know, field was level. Would regular British (laughs) acts be able to beat Rena? I don't know. Would, you know, all of these other films be able to beat Minari? Is Mank as good as... (laughs) No, you know? (laughs) And so I think that, like, there is a reason why it's so hard to dismantle these systems, and it's because there is a fear of actual meritocracy. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Yeah, it's like, it, it seems like it's like a studio threat and then also, like, an old kind of white studio exec threat looped into one um, where it's like the way that people consume things and have like awareness of things now they're not it's not funneling through those avenues anymore so like the people that discover arena or discover 
Minari are not like, oh, where exactly did this come from? Like, who is right. behind it? They're like, this is good and I like it, so let's award it. Yeah. Make it simple. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's the best way forward. And just like that, we've checked our temps. Stay safe. Listen to Rena. Watch Minari. I'm going to. And uh, we'll be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code WAD, books, promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love Fast Growing Trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, and that's not because I have a green thumb, Okay. This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Ghana became the first country to get free COVID-19 vaccines through COVAX, the international vaccine sharing initiative yesterday. 600,000 doses of the AstraZeneca developed vaccine arrived yesterday and shots are set to begin next week for healthcare workers and people over 60. So COVAX partners have trained local officials on how to administer the shots and have provided cold storage and delivery systems. And COVAX is led by the World Health Organization, and it aims to deliver 2 billion vaccine doses to nations with less resources by the end of the year. 
Israel's government is also executing a vaccine sharing program, giving its surplus doses to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's closest allies. Hmm. According to Israeli media, Hungary, the Czech Republic and Honduras have each been promised about 5000 vaccine doses from Israel, while Palestinians living under Israeli occupation continue to be denied the doses they need. We've got an update on Tiger Woods following the very serious car crash he was in outside of Los Angeles earlier this week. According to a statement released on Woods' Twitter account, he is currently awake, responsive, and recovering at a UCLA medical center following an emergency surgery. Woods was driving down a steep hill on Tuesday morning when his car slid off the road at a curve and flipped several times. A spokesperson from the sheriff's department said the area was a known trouble spot for speeding and accidents, and firefighters had to break him free from being crushed under his own SUV. According to doctors, Woods shattered bones in both his legs and had to have a rod put into his leg and screws into his foot. Commenters say this might be a huge step back for his career with the accident coming just a month after his fifth back surgery. Yeah, wishing him a speedy recovery there. A legal challenge to California's net neutrality law was overturned on Tuesday in a major defeat for the telecommunications companies. And I'm personally streaming 4K drone flights over national parks on five different <laughs> screens to celebrate this news. Hell California yeah. enacted its open internet law in September 2018, soon after Trump's Federal Communications Commission eliminated national net neutrality protections. That prompted lawsuits from Trump's Justice Department and a consortium of telecom giants like AT&T, Comcast, and Verizon. So as a reminder, net neutrality means internet service providers have to treat all traffic equally and can't prioritize users based on the content they're accessing or their ability to pay. I support it in most every case, though I am receptive to alternative models that would, for example, cut off my own ability to post or consume posts. <laughs> healthy for all involved. The federal judge's ruling on Tuesday siding with the state means that net neutrality can be enforced in California, though telecom companies have signaled a plan to appeal. California's success could lead other states to pass similar laws. Good news. Annie's Homegrown has announced they're working to remove chemicals that can cause health and reproductive problems from their mac and cheese. Bad news. Until now, eating delicious mac and cheese could apparently be considered a high-risk activity. Oh, a no. study published in 2017 looked at 10 mac and cheese brands, including Annie's and the Dairy God Kraft, and found <laughs> that all of them contained orthothalates. Those are chemicals used in industrial tubing and conveyor belts. Yikes. Mm. The chemicals have been shown to disrupt testosterone production and have even been linked to learning problems in children. So far, Annie's and the adorable little bunny, who I assume is their CEO, is the mm -hmm. only company in the cheesy pasta space to declare their intent to root the chemical out. ExxonMobil is a leading producer of phthalates and has said the chemical content in food is so small that it's negligible and the science linking the chemical to adverse health effects isn't convincing. Okay, mm. gonna suck gasoline from my car for lunch instead, which I assume <laughs> they'll support. Also, to be safe, when I eat Kraft, I'll substitute the noodles for the little bag the cheese comes in and just hope that works out. Yeah, easy one-for-one -one trade off there. Yeah, they they are hoping. And those are the headlines. <laughs> That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, be safe when redecorating your home, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just the words printed on the little cheese bag like me, <laughs> What A Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Akila Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and keep, keep the, the nature, nature drone, drone footage, footage coming. coming. I want to see animals and I want to see birds. They're animals. So more animals. <laughs> yeah. All animals, five screens, Minority Report style. Let's get it going. Yeah. <laughs>
Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Katie Long, Akila Hughes, and me. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. We've all got old stuff that we should toss, but an old 401k? Make sure it keeps working for you. A Fidelity Rollover IRA has no account fees or minimums to open. An easy-to-follow rollover process makes it simple to get started in under 15 minutes. Plus, you'll have access to a rollover specialist. Whether you've switched jobs or are just organizing your finances, learn more at fidelity.com slash rollover. Consider all your options and the applicable fees and features of each before moving your retirement assets. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.